Well, Brent is gay, and Kaylin's gay, and Clark is gay, and Ryan's gay, and Adam's gay. It's Homo Superior. Hey, everybody. Special extra issue on the entirety of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I'm Kaylin. I'm Clark. I'm Ryan. I'm Adam. I'm Brent Wingate. And we're really, really thrilled to have a special guest with us today who's going to join us on the podcast. She's been a longtime listener, a longtime friend. Her name is Megan Ratliff. Megan Ratliff, excuse me. Uh, Megan, you want to say hey to everybody? Hey, everyone. Um, I'm excited, really excited to be on the podcast. Thank you guys so much for having me on. Um, So I've been a geek my entire life, so I'm really stoked about being on this podcast. Uh, I probably started my dad in, um, first introduced me to Star Trek The Next Generation when I was eight, and it kind of just like spiraled out of control from there. So this is like <laughs> right up my alley. Um, I love cosplay, love vintage, and I love the show Supernatural. I know you're, we're all on. It's so good. Thank I you. Like, um, I like the Scooby-Doo episode. Oh, that one was my favorite, actually. <laughs> um, but with that, I'll turn things back over to Kaylin. All right. Well, I will say that Megan is an amazing cosplayer. And when we do promote this episode, uh, we'll show you some of uh, Megan's awesome cosplay stuff on her Instagram. So, Brett, I'm going to turn it over to you to give us a quick description and lead us in our discussion. All right. Let's talk about TFATWS. Uh, quick description. <laughs> in a post-blip world, Sam Wilson, Bucky Barnes... John Walker and Carly Morgenthau fight about the meaning of America's oldest circle, Captain America Shield. I don't know why uh, I would have to say it because you clicked on this episode, but spoilers ahead. Um, so the long description is Sam, aka the Falcon, has given up the emotionally and financially valuable shield to the super trustworthy US government, who then promptly gives it to the so called new Captain America, a guy who was born on third base, John Walker. Bucky, a.k.a. the White Wolf, is not too happy about this and goes with Sam on a journey to stop the terrorist organization, the Flag Smashers, led by Carly Morgenthau and run by a new set of super soldiers hell-bent on not displacing refugees. Uh, We also learn the stories of Isaiah Bradley, a post-Steve Rogers Captain America who was experimented on and imprisoned by the U.S. government. Uh, Our old pal Baron Zemo gets pulled out of one prison and put in another. And the person who does an equal amount of work on a group assignment, but tells the teacher they did the most, Sharon Carter makes a reappearance and a not so shocking reveal that she is in fact the power broker. But what was Carly's plan? Did she know? Was it that good of a plan if all it takes is one powerful speech from Sam Wilson, the new, new Captain America to make things right instead? All right, let's get into discussion. But also if you'd like to refresh yourself on some of our prior thoughts and deep dives on particular episodes, As the show unfolded, you can check out episodes 180 through 185 of a regular podcast. We talked about it at the start of each episode. Let's get into discussion of this. So, uh, Megan, I want to start with you. Um, So this was the second of three in Disney's batch of MCU TV. And it's decidedly different from WandaVision. What were you expecting from this show and what were you most surprised by? I think I was surprised to see that it was more rooted in reality as opposed to WandaVision. I felt like WandaVision dealt more with grief and loss and coping. Um, But this was kind of more of a realistic take on what life would look like for a black superhero. And so many shows tend to overlook race uh, in the concept of, 
you know, the superhero, any superhero universe, whether it's the MCU, if it's like the DC universe, it's just not really focused on that much. Um, it's almost like their superhero status like transcends transcends their race. Sorry about that. Um, but I'm glad that more shows are kind of revisiting this and taking a, a look at, at it um, much more closely. Um, so I think that's what I was most surprised about. I know that um, Marvel was kind of called out last summer when the BLM movement kind of um, gained more traction and became a little bit more mainstream where people started um, you know, participating in protest. So I feel like they were called out for not being more inclusive um, and not having any character or, or story arcs that really focused on black superheroes. They're always the... Yeah. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to uh, cut you off in any way. Um, I think that for me, I was to, to go on that, I was surprised the degree to which it actually did want to bring up topics related to race because there's a, a different version of Disney where they could have played it safe, I think, on a lot more topics. And instead, um, you know, only focused on the question of what does it mean for um, for Sam Wilson to take up the mantle of Captain America, rather than also adding in the stuff about, um, you know, different displaced refugees and um, Isaiah Bradley. Uh, what else did you guys think uh, about what were you expecting from the show and kind of what surprised you, Ryan? I was surprised that I enjoyed it uh, because I was just picturing a really watered down version of Winter Soldier and I got something way more fleshed out in terms of like race actual like comic book like real stuff that happens in the comics like i got so much more in general and i really i just liked it so much i i had and this is on me for setting the bar kind of low because i i didn't necessarily think these two characters were fleshed out but like i just i really liked it so much and like they went there and they were like comics accurate with so many different things that was just like so interesting to go into that I really never thought like an MCU anything would go into I loved it Kaylin Kaylin yeah um I I really liked it a lot too I think the strongest part of the series uh and the show is not without its flaws which we'll get into in a few minutes here but was Sam's journey um you know the end of Endgame um Steve bequeaths him the shield um you know he's going to be Captain America. It's like it's just telegraphed uh, so much so that I was surprised they didn't call it Captain America and the Winter Soldier from the outset. Uh, and you know I predicted that you know Sam would become Captain America towards the end. Uh, I think it was a pretty safe prediction. But I really enjoyed the journey he went on more than I thought I would. Um, you know the whole thing about his self doubt was really kind of rooted um, in you know not believing he could live up to Steve to a certain degree, but also in his experience as a black man and also his conversations with uh with isaiah bradley um I, I i think him when he and uh that's he being sam sam and bucky had the conversations about bucky saying you have to take this mantle you have to take the shield and sam's like i don't think i can and like that was the like i think the absolute pinnacle best of the show um i think what i was most surprised with was that i thought i was gonna like uh, WandaVision better than this and it's the exact opposite I, I had a lot of trouble with that show and I really like this show as you said there's some flaws but not to the level that I can disagree with my choice um, so 
you know, we didn't we had we didn't talk about the finale specifically on the pod, um, but the this finale was basically ninety percent the execution of Carly's plan, which we didn't really know what it was until uh, you know uh, halfway through the final episode, and even then, I'm not sure she knew what it was. Uh, <laughs> how well do you think this kind of the the plot and action worked for the finale? Uh, um, Adam, did you have your hand up? Yeah, I uh, I really in, I enjoyed it. I think it was a better finale than I think WandaVision's. I know Wanda's was like crunched. I think there were still kind of slight issues with it because they spent a little too much time. And we talked about this on the podcast about episode five being a little bit too langer, like langering. That's not a real word, but it just kind of languished <laughs> itself on this boat for a while. And I really thought they could have probably did better pacing. But anchored. there you go but having i think what really worked for it is that this type of finale is a much better fit for this show than it was for wandavision so just you know it was very cool to see wanda in her costume but fucking sam just busting through the window in like full like you were saying ryan like comic design costume uh my boyfriend and i lost our shit like we were just like screaming at the top of our lungs it was so cool so earned um so in general did the you know cataclysmic now these uh flag smashers are real bad guys really make me feel anything differently than like oh no they've taken this like interesting conversation and just made them big baddies but what i did appreciate i think what worked out for carly in this episode is it was the first episode that maybe did that made me realize how young she was and how not naive but just like she was just going with what she thought was right, right? So I thought it was a really good way. It made me appreciate the character more and sort of the indecisiveness or maybe inconsistency of approach. Because I'm like, this is not a mastermind superwoman. This is just a child who is experiencing bad things and just wants to, to see more. So I thought I thought that really worked in that regard. Uh, Kayla and then Megan. Um, pardon the pun, but I don't think the show stuck the landing. Um, and I think it kind of uh, was similar in like with WandaVision where like that final episode also had problems. So um, I think Adam, you brought up in our Slack channel off, off podcast of how we're going to maybe go back and look at the first batch of MCU shows. Like we did the phase one Marvel films, which were good for the time, but they all had like act three problems. Um, I think Carly's plan, the flag smashers plan was really convoluted. Um, the whole stuff with John Walker, um, you know, his weird redemptive arc that like just happened too quickly, in my opinion, um, uh, just like felt weird. I mean, don't get me wrong. I got very excited when when Sam broke the window in that comics accurate costume. And I liked the way that he interacted. But like the speechifying at the end, while I agreed with it, I was like, <laughs> I don't know if I buy this. I don't think the show has earned all of this yet. So that's like my real kind of like misgivings about the show. But it's still it doesn't, you know, uh over eclipsed the fact that I, I really did like the show very much mm-hmm. Megan yeah I was I was gonna agree uh I agree with both you and Adam um I was kind of feeling exactly the same way I feel like the pacing was a little off it was maybe some of this could have been you know with Carly's mission it should have been fleshed out more in like the third episode and um same thing with with John Walker it, it was kind of like you know interesting to see how they took the direction that they took the um, um, I think we're losing um, Megan. I think we're losing Megan. Like a really tough story Her- arc, and I feel like 
Megan, your point is so good that it's like oh. Thanos disappearing away. <laughs> <laughs> You're back. Okay. Sorry. Do you want to try one more time, Megan? Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to try one more time? Okay. Oh, well, no. Okay. Can you hear me? Or? Oh, perfect. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, we can hear you. Okay, we're losing Megan. You, you were talking about the US agent. One you were talking second. about the US agent. Megan. Oh, you can hear me now. Okay. Uh, yeah, you're good now. Yeah. Um, so, okay, you can hear yeah, me yeah. now. Sorry. <laughs> uh, so I, I felt like it was, um, it, was <laughs> um, it, it was interesting because I had, a, I felt like he had a really tough story arc, you know, um, as far as with the rise and fall. Um, here, here's a soldier who's returning from war and he's dealing with like mental illness and emotional stress. And he's basically told to like follow orders to life. Um, and so he believes that he's fighting for a worthy cause, but then it's like, you know, what he's kind of told, kind of just do the, the whole series, just the whole time I was just questioning kind of like everything. I was like, um, I feel like another interesting thing about like um, US agent was the fact that he, um, you know, what he was doing was like, maybe not so different from what Captain America would do. It's like, you know, tenacity and to like try to defend um, and protect citizens. But it's like, you know, in this case, like US agent is kind of the villain. Yeah, uh, Clark. Um, I guess I'm gonna go through both. I'll start with US agent since that's where I'm right now. Um, I feel like a lot of what happened with him is that he spent the last how many years of his life in the army having people actually telling him what to do and controlling him. This time it was just like the Senate was just like one guy who just said do stuff and he didn't know what he was doing. So he's trying to do stuff. And against these people who, as we know, were the Flag Smashers were just disorganized nonsense where they have a good idea. Obviously, you know, do not get, do not displace for uh, immigrants, but everything they did was boneheaded as fuck and made absolutely no sense. One of the problems, and I think um, the coronavirus is responsible for this partially, is that most of the stuff that dealt with them was filmed in Prague, which had to be put on hold for what, eight months? So I think a lot of that mm -hmm. was lost. And so anything related to the functionality of that group was therefore mismatched. And that's why I've hated them the entire time is that none of it made any sense. And she just seemed like a villain because everything she seemed like she should be doing or like the ideas that she had there were so disconnected. Yeah, maybe we can get uh, Marvel fans uh, to threaten and harass uh, executives until they reshoot those four <laughs> years from now and release the... <laughs> um, I do think uh, that to go back to um, Sam's speech, which is a little bit weird in our kind of like political climate now because of how clear it is, I think, for the average American to see the mechanisms of power are basically, I mean, they are kind of locked. The, the idea that you could give a rousing speech and change things feels a little bit naive. But the thing that I kind of liked about it, I don't know, I'm, I'm on the fence, is that Sam took a pretty interesting take uh, when trying to get the GRC to stop its um, forced removal of refugees. And the thing that I thought was unique about it was that, you know, post 9-11, there were people who pointed out, um, you know, what the CIA had said about 
um, um, blowback, which is when you go into an area, you can engender a lot of negative feelings and create organizations that are specifically opposed to your government's presence. And when people made that argument post 9-11, there was a huge swelling of people who would point out, who would, who would basically say, you're blaming the victims. You are saying that the people who are in, who were in the towers were asking for it. When in fact, they are trying to, when you're trying to point that out, you're making a more nuanced point about the nature of policy and unintended consequences. And I think that it was interesting and to see it in such a popular show that Sam's kind of making the same point that you need to try and understand where your enemy is coming from, that even if you don't ultimately agree with them, you can recognize them on some level as being a human being and that we're kind of in the same struggle together. Uh, Kaylin. Yeah, I think that's a great point, uh, Brent. And I also want to add to the fact that Sam not being a super soldier, unlike Steve, unlike John Walker now, has to rely on his wits, his humanity, his ingenuity to be able to, uh, you know, make a difference. The speech is part of it. But I think my favorite part about him as Captain America in the final episode is when um, he's flying and then there's the helicopter that's being, you know, piloted by one of the, the flag smashers. And he identifies uh, through um, Red Wing that there is somebody who can fly the helicopter and he communicates with her and, uh, and, and you know, basically like creates like a little strategy to be like, I'm going to take this guy out. You have to now pilot the helicopter to save everybody. And like, I thought that was so great because if it was Sam or John or, you know, another metahuman in the MCU, they would try to take it among themselves to do everything. And like, it just shows like uh, how creative he is and how strategic he can be. I love that, like, we're like, we had her there and, you know, that she saves everybody and he's like, good job. And then about 15 minutes later, he's admonishing her for all of her policies. I just enjoyed the fact that he's like, fuck you. Um, did you guys like that uh, uh, Zemo's butler wears gloves to his bomb setting ventures? Uh, I mean, chill. Don't you? you? I do. I, I mean, it took me a second to remember who that was. I was like, ooh, I love when they introduce a late game character for no reason for the future. And I was like, oh, wait, that's just Zemo's butler. It's Alfred. Yeah, they really, they really pennyworthed him uh, as far as like what he can do. Um, so uh, also in the finale, US agent got his shitty shield and a new look. Um, why do you think he was given that new look in the Senate chamber or whatever place they were located at. Kayla. I think it's like what Clark said, where they couldn't film in Prague or wherever anymore. Mm. They were just limited in sets. They're like, we're going to reuse this set again. Uh, but since you brought them up, I kind of wish, and I thought that they were going to go in this direction. That was going to be more comics accurate of um, that. Like he was going to get quote unquote killed during the battle with the flag smashers. And then he would show up at the end, like not really dead. And the Contessa is basically like, we've brought you back and you like, you're our black ops agent now as US agent. Um, so I thought they were gonna go that way, but like him being so cheery, like I'm all in, like, I'm, like it's my, my costume, but it's all black now. I'm like, mm, it was just a weird, weird scene. Ryan. The real answer is this. Um, they had Ju Julia Louise Dreyfus for two hours on one day. And they're like, she's, I got to shoot this. I got to do, I got to be somewhere else. 
is this the same building? I don't give a shit. We'll do, we'll do one bench scene and then we'll do one scene where I'm in a bigger chamber and you come out, you wear the costume. That'll be great. Um, and then she left and then they said, we'd love to have you back, Miss Dreyfus. And she, she closed the door and she left. <laughs> um, but she will be back and she's gonna kill it when she comes back. Hopefully, hopefully for Captain America 4. And every, and every other film in the franchise. I mean, she's going to be back in a movie. Then they, don't we already know that? Yeah, Black, Black Widow, Widow which she's already filmed. And it's in the yeah. same set. Yeah. It's, she's in that Senate <laughs> room again. Still in the oh, my God, Kaylin. It's the same set. You're so right. Yeah. <laughs> I did, well, I just realized that, too, because I know that there's footage of her being snuck in to set to film for uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. And I find that actually almost super incredible that they were able to hide essentially like both cameos that like, or was it like, cause I don't think it was known that she was going to be in Black Widow either. So this fucking poor woman is just constantly being draped in cloaks to be brought to set <laughs> to film like five minute scenes that she could do in her sleep. They, they never ask her to like uh, come in discreetly. She just sneaks in. Uh, that's <laughs> part of her method. <laughs> that, that um, so, It'd be exciting if you're like um, Wyatt, whatever the fuck his name is, uh, Wyatt Russell, and you have no idea who you're going to be playing against, and suddenly Julia Louis-Dreyfus just (laughs) shows up, and you've got to work with her for the day. Yeah, because you know they don't give you scripts ahead of time to that degree. Oh, my God. You're playing against some character. Yeah, that'd be awesome. So after Black, uh, Black Panther, this is the second MCU story that tries to tackle racism and equity. Um, how well does this work for you? Um, and maybe a specific question, does the show put kind of an inherent difficult, an inherently difficult position on Sam um, because he's got to deal with what it means to be a black Captain America, but there's a certain sense in which there's a curtain um, that's being hidden from the audience to the, the degree to which he would face tons of vitriol, huge amounts of online harassment, threatening mail um, that you would see. You very plausibly today, you would see protests, uh, you know, demanding that they bring back a white Captain America. Is the show trying to have its cake and eat it too uh, by bringing some of this stuff up? I mean, I still have issue, and I've had issues from the beginning of the fact that everyone in the world knows that he was one of the people that saved the entire world. And so they're going to like all protest him seems very strange, but then also it seems strange that he couldn't get a fucking bank loan, even though he's (laughs) saved the world. So there was some funky issues going on, uh, Megan. Um, I, yeah, I was gonna, gonna say something similar where I think, I think either way, you know, just as a black man in America and the MCU, um, I feel like, you know, it's like, I feel like people would protest him. I think America is not ready for, or, you know, the MC, the people in the MC, at least how everyone was depicted, was not ready for um, (laughs) a black Captain America, um, which is why there was such like public uh, applause. And you saw like people, like black people, like, you know, actually like, oh, there's a black Captain America. He's not, you know, black Falcon anymore. He's (laughs) Captain America. It's a huge huge moment i feel kaylin well um clark to respond to you i mean barack obama was elected you know during the worst economic crisis this country had seen since 1929 
and he saved the economy, he saved capitalism, he saved democracy. And I mean, the backlash, the Tea Party was about him being a black man in the White House. You know, I mean, you know, birtherism, you know, was prevalent. I mean, Donald Trump's election was a reaction to, to Barack Obama. I'm not saying that, like, he didn't save the universe like Sam Wilson did. Yes. But, you know, there's but, no opposite. But, no one's going to say he didn't save the universe. I think there will be conspiracy <laughs> theory stuff that will be there that that but not has, 50% of the population. Clark, Clark, oh, they, he, saved, he saved the universe, but, you know, people aren't particularly happy about that. Choice. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, Why didn't you leave and, me dad? And also, just one, one last point on that, like, it doesn't take 50% of the people to, like, to make a difference. Like, only, like, I mean, Donald Trump only won the first time with 46% of the vote, uh, with Barack Obama having a 60% approval rating when he left office. So it's like, it just takes like a but, very vocal minority to fuck things up. So it didn't strike me as out of the ordinary that Sam couldn't get a loan for him and his sister. Like, who, it's just like that. Who's allowed ahead, to Clark. vote nowadays in this? I think any American. But, but <laughs> do you, but do you have all of your documents and stuff and who's yeah, dead. Are they, are, are they out of the, is, vo are, the voter are, rolls? Yeah. yeah. Are Georgians trying to fuck you over? That kind of stuff. That's a good question. Yeah, yeah. they could do a whole MCU show on the nuances that the well, book created. I, I will I write that the, show. I will write that show. <laughs> I think from the very beginning with the, um, the bank loan stuff was when it got hard for me to equate the real world with that world. Because each time I was kind of grappling, like, would that happen more in that world or would it happen more in this world? And sometimes it felt real there, but not real here and vice versa, which was very strange. Uh, Megan. Yeah, I, I was going to say, like, I feel like I feel like I actually had a very different like like watching it was very different for me. I feel like I, I could actually like draw some direct parallels to what was seeing mm -hmm. happen happening with Sam and then, you know, happening in the real world where. Um, you know, like the incident with the bank loan, he and his sister being denied, you know, the fact that he's a superhero doesn't really mean anything to this loan officer. It's like yeah. um, the police stopping him and Bucky because there's like an altercation outside of Isaiah's house. And um, so all of that felt very, I was like, oh, I can really relate to, to this or I know people who have gone through this. Um, even in the very beginning, when, you know, Sam turns over the shield to the government, um, Captain America's shield. Um, it was like kind of interesting, even just that, because, uh, you know, here's someone who should be Captain America. It makes sense for him to be the next Captain America. He's giving the shield to the U.S. government and they're giving it to another like, you know, another white man who's like, you know, just John Walker. Nobody knows who John Walker is. So I feel like there was a lot of patterns of sort of just showing uh, the black struggle, Sam's struggle. And I could I could kind of relate to it. Adam? I was going to quickly say, too, I think uh, like any kind of story or world building, I think there's like multiple layers of the onion to peel back. So even in the extent of like, I've, you know, if what I'd like to see, hopefully, as the MCU really continues to mature and also kind of pick and choose what content is right for which audiences, like right now, there's this, I think, overall MCU tone, which is why I think certain shows like this or even WandaVision that go deeper on their themes, deeper on their meetings, this kind of phase one of television, like we were talking about, Kaylin, we've we've got to hopefully see it over the next couple of phases evolve where they these kind of contents, can, the nuance can be dealt with. Cause I, I think they, I think to the, even using the Barack Obama story as an example, like 
what they've kind of shown us is mostly the like liberal media perspective on Obama. I feel like where everything is good and these purple people are strong and there's probably a lot of dissident and, and shit that's being piled out by, you know, assholes, but it's like, okay, let's not focus on that. Let's tell the overall story of this, you know, journey, this impact. Uh, and I, you know, I really hope uh, just like even I think of damage control coming out in the comics, like that was an evolution of like, Hey, wait a minute superheroes are fucking up these cities. Like we should probably talk about that and create some reality to it. So I just hope I see a lot more of it. Cause I think it, like you said, Megan, like there's lots of really great stepping stones and incremental examples where it's like, oh shit, they're really telling actual stories that can really make impact and make changes to the world. I just want to see them continue to mature that lens as, as even the audience is, is willing to accept it. So I certainly hope they are. Clark. Um, I don't know. Uh, I'm not what uh, I don't know. Um, my favorite part, this is totally unrelated, but it is related um, of the entire show is the, what, the fifth episode where uh, Bucky and Sam are having the talk about him getting the shield from um, Steve and the fact that neither one of the, they thought they were doing some awesome thing, giving it to him and had their little plan and stuff, but didn't realize that like what it meant for a black man to have the shield, that little moment between the two. And I thought was the best moment of the entire show. Yeah. Uh, that was actually going to be my next question. I was going to well, ask what, how did other people respond to that? Cause for me, it was, it took me a little bit off guard. It was not a moment I was expecting, but I thought it was a very useful lesson as a white person to see someone and as a character, like apologize for something. And, you know, maybe, maybe there could be more to it, but even that as a stepping stone felt like, hey, you as a person, you can make small changes to own up to how you've uh, wronged someone. Kaylin? Yeah, I, um, I know we're going to get into this a little bit later on, but I think it was probably the most clear and best example of Bucky's redemption arc that he actually said, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't realize that this was going to have this kind of burden on you. Um, I, I, it was great. I agree with Clark and, you, and with you, Brent. I agree. Uh, and thank God it wasn't just him redoing that boat. Cause that's not enough. <laughs> that's just not clearly enough. Yeah. You know? Speaking of like, I know we were just talking, making fun of Snyder cut. I want to see the Snyder cut of that boat sequence. This is probably like seven episodes and it's one of them. Oh, it's just God. systematically like got to work on the bow, got to work on the wheel. I don't fucking know terminology related to ships, but <laughs> I want to see more of them. <laughs> Uh, uh, Ryan, uh, there are there are good ships and there are wood ships. There are ships that sail upon the sea. But the best <laughs> ships are the friendships. So here's the Sam and Bucky. Okay, fuck you, fuck you. That was, that was really good. That was really good. Bravissimo. <laughs> um, so um, one other thing I want to talk about is the statue um, that Sam was able to get put in the Captain America Museum for Isaiah Bradley. Um, Isaiah's story was a very important part, I think, of Sam's reckoning with what it would mean to take up the mantle of Captain America. Um, but the fact that it was a statue, I thought was very interesting. What commentary do you think, if any, um, the show is trying to offer as it relates to our current debate of Confederate statues? And how did this moment just work for you in general? Kaylin. So at first I thought, oh, this is a very sweet moment. I definitely like, you know, like teared up a little bit uh, just because I thought Carl Lumley did such a great job as Isaiah. 
And then I remembered in the fifth episode when he and Sam have that conversation at Isaiah's house about like, don't tell anybody that I'm alive. Don't, don't do this because, you know, I was able to get away from 30 years of imprisonment and people experimenting on me because this nurse helped me out and, you know, uh, got me out of the situation. And all of a sudden Sam helps create a statue for him in the Smithsonian. And it's like, it's, it just felt like there was a little bit of dissonance there. It's like, Isaiah specifically asked, I don't want to be recognized. I want to have anonymity. And then like, it's now the exact opposite of what he wanted. And so it just felt a little self-aggrandizing on Sam's part. Um, I don't know. I'd love to hear some different perspectives. I mean, not really about that. I I thought it would be bigger, not the actual statue, but the the section (laughs) about him. Would be. I thought the statue would be bigger. <laughs> I thought eight hundred feet more. tall. Why yeah. the Statue of Liberty so tall? And he's, he's so tall. Um, I, have you ever seen the Doctor Who episode um, with ben, Vincent Van Gogh? Yes. At the end, he yes. gets to, the last minute. It's like it's. I thought we'd get that. Instead, it was it was much weaker than that moment where he's spinning around and seeing every single piece of his art and like in wonder and all this stuff. It just felt kind of, I felt he was, you know, shortchanged. And I felt, I didn't mean, that was a, that was a small joke. Uh, <laughs> Megan, you had your hand almost up. Oh, yes. Um, so I was going to kind of, I, I definitely like, you know, see those points. Um, I, I agree with you, Clark. I think it was also like, it could have been like a bigger gesture. It was kind of a great start. It was, you know, reparations. Um, but I feel like, um, you know, it's like, you know, it could have been, it could have been a lot bigger as far as like what was done to, um, to basically acknowledge Isaiah and like what he gave to the government and how he helped to, you know, contribute to Captain America being a success. Um, it's like, basically, um, I, I felt like they're, like the, the fact that there's like a statue uh, doesn't make up for 30 years of imprisonment and testing and, and all kinds of horrible things that were done to him. But it was a great start. We were in the Senate office twice. Why didn't we just have a big deal there where he got like all these fucking medals and all sorts of shit like that? Yeah, no. I mean, what's her? It was Sharon Carter got her fake day in, like, yeah. in that. Why what, couldn't they give my day his real day? Um, but no, I was going to quickly say, too, I think um, I might have already forgotten what my point was. Oh, that I think this actually suffered just like John Walker's plotline did, which because they did, it was almost like this up and down loop with Isaiah because it was sort of like, oh my God, they're introducing Isaiah Bradley okay, ooh, maybe they're not going to bring him back. Oh my God, they brought him back and had a really fantastic conversation about the things that happened to him and like the experiences that were had. And then I was like, oh wait, they ran out of time to actually give him a proper ending. So <laughs> like Kaylin, you mentioned, they kind of tagged on this like tearjerker, which I, I also agree. I was like, ah, oh, this, like to your point, Megan, it's a start. It made me feel like an emotional reaction, but the best reactions are like, oh, there's a plan in place to really make and transition the success <laughs> as opposed to like, it's a statue. Good for you, buddy. See you later. Roll credits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is definitely something, I think, Kaylin, to your point about Isaiah not wanting that kind of attention. Um, you know, to Sam's credit, he did put the statue in a museum away from everything else. So who knows how much <laughs> recognition he really gave him. But I think there might have been a way of doing that that might have maybe worked a little bit better which would be that this is like a larger exhibit that when Isaiah shows up, people recognize him. And we see that the population 
kind of wants to talk to him, wants to support him, um, that, that it does kind of have that Van Gogh feel Clark was talking about where everyone's appreciating his artwork, that people see the story of Isaiah Bradley and they want to, they want to elevate him. I, I'm literally just thinking about that real quick. Like what if the actual ending was supposed to be them like opening doors to a bunch of people like cheering and wanting to like talk about this. And then they're like, oh shit, COVID. We can't have a bunch of people in one filming location kind of idea. So that's what they got that left with. I hope that was the case. Cause I think that would have been a much more impactful ending <laughs> of how it's changed. What museum Megan? is this supposed to be in? The Smithsonian. <laughs> I would say American the history. The they can get yeah, rid of most American history and I'll be happy with that. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. oh. Megan, did you have something you wanted to say? Oh, um, no, it was just, I was going to agree with, with uh, what Ryan said um, and also with, uh, with what Adam said uh, as far as... Um, what about what I said? <laughs> <laughs> and also what you said. Um, I, I, I do agree that that maybe the statue, because like Isaiah said, he didn't want the statue. Maybe the statue wasn't the right way to go. Uh, maybe having like a day named after him or or some some kind of other acknowledgement would have been better. Um, but I, I do think, I do see the importance in just having the statue too. Um, mm -hmm. You look at like, you know, the Tuskegee Airmen, I know this is something that you all talked about in another podcast, earlier episode um, for this series. Um, but even with that, it's, you know, if, if we don't have those, like, you know, uh, statues or, or there's nothing in, in museums and people tend to forget um, or they can forget. So I do think it, it's important to have statues, um, but I did definitely agree um, sort of with, Kaylin's like Kaylin's point, like as far as like is is the statue the right way to go? Especially if he's if, like said he didn't want one. So um, let's move on. Um, so we've got a bunch of different character arcs. Um, this will be kind of the part where I think we can chip in our contribution on how to improve stuff. Um, so let's talk about Sam. Um, how do you guys think Sam um, can be a different Captain America going forward? than Steve Rogers, you know, would have been able to. Kalen. Um, I think the point I made earlier about him not having the super ser uh, soldier serum in him, he is a human being with some technology and he doesn't have like, he's not like an Iron Man where he's got like Tony Stark's bravado. I think he's an everyman, you know, like he comes from humble beginnings. Like he worked at the VA, so he understands things like PTSD. I think he can be a counselor to like, you know, when they have like, Phase four films when they finally end up coming out like he can end up being like that kind of a person and in a way i think he can be a more empathetic leader like i i cannot understate uh uh underline enough like how much i love the helicopter scene of like him just able to find like pinpoint like the solution to a problem and be able to solve it without just utilizing brute strength or his wings or his like wakandan made vibranium suit i'm assuming uh, I, I think I think he's going to be fantastic, Adam. I was just going to say, Kalen, you are really pitching the story that John Walker and Steve Rogers should stop relying on that body, and I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, really, I really like where they're going with him. I think you're right that he'll come with it as like an everyman perspective, and we'll just really solve problems. I yeah, no, I'm very excited about Captain America, and I think. He has the nuance. That's what I think it was. Steve Rogers is very much more of like the good always wins and fight the good fight and we can make this happen. 
And I think, A, it's really important to have uh, a black man as Captain America, but more importantly, a black man as Captain America would understand all of the interlaying and intertwined relationships and effects of both history as well as like modern day stuff. So I just, I think it's a really good fit and I can't wait to see what they'll, they'll do with this character and mature even that conversation, which we never would get in a superhero movie like five, 10 years ago. Clark? Yeah, I was going to jump on that entirely. Uh, I was going to talk about the fact that uh, Captain America, I mean, Steve Rogers, excuse me, I need to change that in my head. Steve <laughs> Rogers is, you know, totally, he's a, he's a man out of time. He's a man from the past. So uh, he's a good man, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, he has a disconnect with the real world, as we see with that, uh, the handing the shield over, not understanding that fact. And uh, Sam is definitely like a man of today, contemporary, like as, as, um, Adam said, you know, he does know the connections between politics and culture and just the, the every man situation. Um, Ryan had his hand up. Real quick. Why are we pretending like he's not more powerful? He flies. He's got that weird <laughs> red wing that is basically Iron Man that can do everything. He is more powerful. Screw Steve Rogers. F off. Like, he is better. And also he's like more aware of things. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. He is way better. We don't Steve know if Rogers, he can pick let's up. Move on from Steve Rogers. <laughs> Ryan, can he pick up Thor's hammer? Oh, he can now. I don't know. He was never invited into that no, no. room when they were doing <laughs> that. So stay, I guess we'll never you can't see. Stay until that. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> Thor's still around. He could pick up the hammer. We'll see. That's true. Kalen's finger. Um, one quick point I want to make is in the you know they made Sam Captain America in the comics for a little while and it was when um, Steve was aged up to being like how old he should have really been when you know he came out of the ice and then they de-aged Steve and then they made him evil as an agent of Hydra but every time they had Sam they Steve was always there in the background so for comic readers yeah. you know they could always say that you know Steve mm, was boy. still Captain America Sam Sam is just there for like a hot minute for a storyline or for a couple of years at most but in the MCU now which is more people consume these movies and the TV series than read the comics he is Captain America and like we can't you know uh uh diminish that at all like for millions if not billions of people this is who Captain America is now and I'm so excited about that I think there's something interesting about uh anthony mackie in particular being chosen for this role because when he was you know picked to be the falcon with the possibility that they you know develop this storyline he's a secondary supporting character i mean he's not he isn't featured a lot and it's kind of a testament to him as a person and an actor that he's got this level of charm and charisma that <clears throat> seems like he can bring a little bit more of a real talk than the lofty Superman style that I think Chris Evans, Steve Rogers had. Sorry, Clark, did you have something to say? Do we think Captain America, Steve Rogers is buried on the moon? <laughs> I love that <laughs> line they for the make that comment. They make that comment about like, I thought Steve Rogers was on, was on the moon. What, what, where the fuck does that come from? That, the internet. Uh, is he like buried it was just, underneath the flag, underneath the Apollo whatever 13 flag? I mean, is he is he just hanging out on that same ship that uh, uh, Nick Fury was at the end? Uh, <laughs> Maybe he's not dead. Well, at the end no. of Far From Home, I'm gonna find. I'm gonna buys the MCU where, like, in Phase Seven, Nick Fury walks up like old and haggard, and be like, 
it's time to resurrect him. And he's been like, Chris Evans is just sitting in a tube this whole time for like eight movies. Underneath the moon, yeah. Right. Uh, All right, let's talk about Bucky. Um, So Bucky went from being a kind of self-hating, sad loner to being the, uh, you know, cool gay uncle that gets invited to the cookout. You guys um, even said that. It is bullshit. How? <laughs> He's gay. He this is, is gay. Is fucking let, fan me, let me sexually dream, Clark. Leave me alone. No. Uh-uh. A, a big part of Bucky's story is the book that um, Captain America gave him, where he's trying to cross off the list of people that he has wronged. Um, do you guys think that there should have been more time devoted to him actually going through that process? Do you think he should have gotten rid of it a lot? He should have gotten rid of it so quickly? Uh, or is he just like really good at therapy, Ryan? That's not how therapy works. It's not like, <laughs> I know I did it. Uh-oh, yeah. nope. And, uh, and, and that's the last one and I'm done. Here's the book, therapy. That is not how therapy works at all. That's Ryan. not how mental health works. It's really, it's weird. It's funny, but it is weird right now to even think of it in those terms. Ryan, do you think that uh, as Bucky was getting close to the end of the list, he saw like two people like Sarah and Robert, and he's just like, I don't want to talk to them really and just cross those off as well. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I mean, everyone does that at work at some point. And this is work for him at this point. So, yeah, he probably did that. I'd like to see the receipts. Clark? I found the end with the um, the man whose son he killed to be so disaffecting. It, it took place in like 30 seconds. He says two lines. The old man says maybe like half a word and that's it. And then he sees them in a shop and I was like, this okay, I thought this was going to be a big <laughs> deal. Bucky, your final huge moment is just like a drop in a fucking bucket. Everyone's ending besides say, uh, Sam's was basically just the Cliff Notes version, which I'm like, it's like one of those I think where I keep thinking to myself, I'm like, sure, I'll fill in the blanks myself. The show's done enough. I'm like, fine. This is, oh. But I agree that, yeah, it was a real send off that didn't really. I was like, eh, okay. Megan, what'd you think of uh, Bucky's redemption arc? Yeah, I, I felt like it, it was kind of, you know, you, we kind of go through the story and we see like him really trying to make amends for the, the man and his son that who he killed. Um, and so I feel like it was rushed and then maybe it was all to kind of tie into this, like, you know, redemption, it's like healing. It's kind of like this, like overall narrative of, of really just like healing. And, and they're both like Bucky and Sam are both trying to like, you know, they come together over the loss of Steve. Um, so I feel like it kind of just tied into this like healing story arc for him. Uh, but it wasn't really done that well. <laughs> no. I just have an issue in in general with the whole healing and everything where this man was um, mind control. So like he can apologize, but also he wasn't really there to have done. So like, what are you apologizing for? Like the memories you have, but not because you actually were there mentally to do it. It's very strange. I don't know how the the therapist seemed very aggressive to a person who um, (laughs) was also a victim and had needed like very, very like extreme mental health issues. Well, I think certainly there's a value for Bucky to go through that process because even if he isn't, you know, we don't hold him responsible, you know, for what was done to him. 
and how he harmed other people, it's still important for those people to get closure about mm-hmm. what happened to them and to at least know, hey, the Winter Soldier, you know, killed my son, I think is, it, it can at least, you know, it can help, um, you know, it might ruin his relationship with Bucky and make him feel completely betrayed that he knew this person who thought was his friend, but really wasn't ever. Uh, so maybe he hurt him more, but at least the guy knows. I don't know what that what that's worth. Megan? Uh, I was going to say, yeah, I agree. I think also it helps Bucky to get closure. Even if he doesn't remember, he still feels guilty for what he did. So I feel like even just going through the list and checking off the names, he feels like, okay, this is like a chapter in my life that I've addressed to some extent, uh, close the door on, and maybe I can try to move forward. Clark? Do, do we think that might be part of the reason that we don't see him do an entire speech? Because it, he'd be literally saying, man, sorry, I killed your son. Also, I was brainwashed and I didn't know I was doing it. He can and get better at the apology. Uh, yeah. and I'm, say sorry. I was I'm sorry, yeah. my apology is like wiping away any culpability I have. Right. Caleb. Caleb. I kind of wish they had just left it open-ended and not had that like coda or not him not dropping off the book at the therapist. It's like, he's yeah. still got a journey to Ryan's right. point. This isn't how, this isn't, this isn't a solution to whatever mental health issues you have, your PTSD or whatever, uh, you know, like by crossing names off of a book. Um, it's just, this is part of his journey. And like, you know, the character is obviously coming back in the next Captain America movie uh, and, you know, in, in the, another MCU Disney plus show. Like, let, let this be part of his journey. Let this be part of his story. Um, I would have preferred that. Listen, Bucky really likes that actress and wants her to get paid for an extra scene in one extra episode. <laughs> yep. She's great. She was awesome. I love the therapist. So um, let's talk about John Walker's uh, Rise, Fall, and Rise Again. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, so many fans of Wyatt Russell saw Vindication of the Actor in some sense, because a lot of people hated John Walker for being a shithead. And a lot of people are completely incapable of separating an actor from the role they're playing. <laughs> but um, at the, in the final episode, uh, Walker makes a decision while he's, you know, juiced up on super soldier serum uh, to save a group of people who are in a falling truck rather than try to continue to lose in a fight to Carly Morgenthau. Um, do you guys think of this as being some sort of vindication? Does it help him just walk the line of being a great character? What was what? What do you think went into that decision? Taylor? I think they, you know, I made the point earlier, but I, I wish they had found a way to add another episode or give his mm-hmm. story more oomph. I guess, like, like because when we left him at the end of episode five. You know, he lied to Lamar's parents about who, how he was killed. You saw that menacing Coda post-credits of him building that, you know, shitty-ass shield. And then he shows up and he's just there. It's like, I'm one of the, I'm one of the guys now. I'm part of the team. I'm going to take on the Flag Smashers. I was like, did I? I literally, I, so I watched the episode at three in the morning. I stayed up that late, I swear to God. And I was like, am I delirious right now? Did I miss something? Did I fall asleep for like 20 minutes? in the middle of the episode because it like it was just so jarring yeah no I'll, I'll tag on to that i i agree i appreciate where his journey ended but the scenes that he was involved in in the finale did not pay off 
at all, considering the rising tension of four and five. So that was, I think he probably had the, it's, it's like in line with the comics, but I think it's like the weakest version. Like they really cliff noted, like it's fixed now. It's great. Yay. Like, and I'm, I'm just so, I, on, on the plus side, it's it, everything we're talking about, this show obviously has had had a lot of really great ideas and a lot of character journeys, so much so we want more, right? I'm like, all I want is more scenes that make everything as earned as Sam's ascension to the Captain America mantle. And I just, the show didn't pay off for many people. Again, I'm filling it in with my own mind because I like the show so much, but if you're looking at it as an objective eye, yeah, it's not, not really the most well told, especially on John Walker's uh, journey. I feel like a lot of stuff with him, they did out of order. I feel like we should have known more, you know, the, the scene where he and Battlestar talking about Afghanistan and you know, the fact that he felt like totally lost and felt like he was doing the wrong things for the supposedly right reasons the government was making them do and stuff. I feel like that needed to be way earlier. So from that moment, we could understand where he was going mentally. We didn't get that until later. We're like, who is this dude? Like, as I said, he's just like, then it's just not telling him to do shit and he's just making stuff up like i it feel like i wanted to get inside of him oh, oh. um earlier <laughs> I like russell of all people I, I, versus the rest of the cast <laughs> why not why not i like an oh god i said i'm like an asshole oh anyway <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I, I'm, I'm gonna stop talking no um i feel like it um I feel like the ending would have been earned had it gone in a better way from the beginning. That's yeah, that's fair. I did um, want to quickly just say the one thing I just realized too is what what I really liked about him in scenes in episode five was his conversation as a veteran to the one senator that's employed in the MCU. But also just <laughs> that that conversation. I now that I think about it and I think about how that could be represented, like what the end goal should not be that any of the veterans like end up as like, oh, I've just become an evil person because I've just been an evil person the whole time. Yeah. So I think there is, again, that nuanced conversation that Disney may not be ready to have, but I think uh, it, I, I'm glad with where his story ended up. I just wish they told it better to get us there because I do agree that like, like you said, Clark, that example is, is very indicative of like, there's lots of things going on in this poor guy's head, his relationship with his wife. Like they painted a three-dimensional character. They just didn't give the scenes to to create it and make it real all right let's play Even a game the real world, he doesn't have a wife now he, he has a wife in, in this one so he, at least he could be somewhat happier right <laughs> he's let's, dancing uh, around in a new outfit but whatever <laughs> let's play a game called should Kalen have to eat crow um so sharon carter uh was revealed to be the power broker and Kalen predicted that the power broker would be revealed <laughs> in the final post credit sequence Kaylin, <laughs> uh, do you got any crow you want to eat? So technically, I was right because she was revealed in the final post credits. <laughs> oh, no, it was like twenty minutes oh, before the episode. She was, she was in a fucking bot truck. But, was like, so you're the power broker? She's like, okay. uh-huh. yeah, for, okay, for real me. though. For real, okay, said. yes, I was, I was wrong. But don't you wish I was right because that was some bullshit. I was so annoyed with all of that. I'm like, like either tell us from the very beginning she's the power broker or or do what I suggested or what I predicted yeah. was that we would find out who the real power broker is at the very end and she's working for that individual. Like this kind of half-ass is she, isn't she? Just like, ugh, it was annoying. It was frustrating. Megan, yeah. what did you think of uh, Sharon Carter and her being the power broker 
in general? I, I did feel like the storyline was, it was kind of like dragged out um, to Kaylin's point. I felt that, you know, um, it's interesting to see Sharon kind of going in this like different direction um, from where she kind of was in the Captain America movies. Um, so it was interesting for her to like, kind of take that direction and kind of go down more of like a criminal, maybe criminal. We still don't really know what her motives are, right? Like we don't know if she's like a villain or not, but to see them take her down that story arc. And then it was kind of like, it was kind of like alluded to throughout the series that maybe she was the power broker. Um, but it wasn't really clear until like, you know, Carly and Sharon are like having this like uh, confrontation and in, in, in at the very end, um, and, you know, you, you just see her like talking to Carly and, and it's kind of like, it's obvious then, you know, and then, so it was, it was interesting. I kind of wish they had done it a little bit differently. Um, maybe kind of allude to it a little bit earlier. It just, it felt really dragged on. Adam. Question for Megan and then the rest of the gang. Do we assume that Sharon Carter is going to be a scroll? So she's in secret invasion. Or do we assume that she's actually going to be a mercenary type and she'll show up in Armor Wars? <laughs> hmm. That's a, a good point. Um, hmm. I don't know. I might have to think on that. <laughs> <laughs> we can yeah, always, you can always come back. Yeah, Ryan. <laughs> um, so I've been thinking about this a lot in terms of, so they've introduced Contessa and US agent will probably work for Contessa, right? We have Batrock, which is dead or not, who cares? And um, and then we have, uh, who else do we have? And then we have Power Broker, of course. Um, but I would really like to see these characters not be connected in any way. And they just sort of overlapped and like build out to the greater MCU in general. Not everyone has to be forming a team like Nick Fury <laughs> of the best of the best. So like, if the villains aren't doing it that way, that would be very interesting to me instead of everyone. Hey, y'all, get over here. We're in the Capitol <laughs> building again. We got to film this scene. We only got Julia for 20 <laughs> minutes, so we got to do it now. Like, if we could not get that, I would like that a lot more. We're like, and maybe a couple of these villains are in the Captain America movie, and maybe not. Maybe we get completely new ones. And also Sharon Carter being sort of whatever she is, maybe her being a new separate from the comics character is pretty cool, actually. Yeah. In the way that we're going to get it from the Mandarin um, or like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, uh, through Shang-Chi and how the Mandarin is presented through that movie as well. So I'm kind of interested just in general to see how someone separate of the comics comes out at the end of the day. Brent. Um, I just want to say quickly that I love how the second uh, Batrock appears on screen, you can set a three-minute timer before he's defeated. Uh, <laughs> for fuck's sake. Clark? Um, I, I think it'd be too easy for her to be a scroll because obviously her characterization wildly different, so everyone would be like, obviously. Mm, yeah. Uh, this Batrock was not the Batrock I love. So I'm not sad to see him go if he's dead, but he probably is. Cause if not, he would know still who the power broker is. But um, 
It's sad when a character you really like can't exist in something because there's another weaker, shittier version. Mm, yes. But then I was also well, thinking, um, have you ever seen, uh, well, I hated Smallville, but just the same, um, Jimmy Olsen dies in it, but then they then they bring out the younger brother or something, and he's also Jimmy Olsen, and you're like, okay, I don't know why, I don't know why your parents are naming the kids nearly the same I know, name. yeah, he's called but, like Jim Jim or something like, like that, yeah. Sure. So maybe there's a second one, I don't know. Uh, yeah, Caleb. Clark. Who do you want? To, who do you want to take up the mantle of Batrock? I want Batrock <laughs> to take up the mantle of Batrock. You can have Megan, a brother. Megan, I want him to be super, say? super, super French, like the character. <laughs> oh, I, I was just going to. Um, I, I watched Marvel for way too long, so I remember that like very clearly. <laughs> Probably should have stopped at like season season seven. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I it would be interesting if if she were a scroll. It would definitely tie in with like you know Captain Marvel. Um, it would be like a nice tie-in, and it would kind of like contribute to some of the issues we see with the scroll being you know treated uh, and oppre- treated horribly and oppressed. Um, and maybe she's stealing government secrets um, to kind of help you know the scroll, and then also helping Carly and the Flag Smashers at the same time because they kind of those two story arcs kind of feed in together. But it would be nice like for them to kind of reimagine. Um, some of these these characters and really take a fresh new um, cut at some of this. Caitlin? Um, I hope she's not a Skrull because I, even though I didn't love the character journey in the show, I like that there is a character in the MCU that broke bad and is going to remain bad. And it's just, it was her, her own volition, her own choices and her own circumstances. Yeah, that, for me, that seems like a much more interesting story, but it's weird how you know kind of over the course of the show her character becomes so much flatter because when you first see her you're like this is a really good glow up for you i'm loving this edge you suddenly have to then being a kind of like a pawn for the plot that she just has to move around and there's nothing that's really intimidating enough about the power broker to make it worth the reveal um so maybe there's more that they can do with it um works out for her because she is we're rooting for you Sharon <laughs> you're gonna do great we're so we're excited gonna do great sweetie um so what uh are there any kind of um other structural larger changes you think you would make to the show um I think one for me would definitely be making Carly's plan more um good um I don't know why she thought that uh, holding a bunch of uh, a group of people who are taking a vote hostage would have worked as the first plan because once you let them go, then they can vote afterward. So I don't get I don't get the decision, uh, Adam. I was going to say my favorite part about that is that as the episode progressed, they had so many different senators and contacts in so many different vehicles. They're like, uh, okay, that helicopter's down. Let's just go with the trucks. Oh, one of the trucks is gone. Let's just go with the other truck. Like they just kept yeah. going. There was like a submarine the team. There was like everything. There was like one on a train. You're like, calm down. <laughs> it was, well, it was so an stupid. attempt. It was an attempt to have like a uh, Dark Knight style Joker plan of, <laughs> oh my God, wait, no, we can't let them get out of the building. And it's like, oh no, they're already out of the building. It's too late. Uh, let's just follow some cars. <laughs> So like, any other changes you guys would make? Um, I think one thing, and it's just because the creators talked about it, because they didn't have enough time, they had to switch everything. Um, 
Torres, you know, the guy who is um, Sam's pal who ends up getting the other armor, was supposed to have an arc, which mm-hmm. obviously was going to be him becoming the new Falcon, which exists in the actual comics. So I like more that. I kept thinking he would do something instead of just like show up and talk to him on a fucking walkie-talkie for a second. And then obviously rearranging the um, John, Walker. John, John Walker stuff is another big issue that I had with and we haven't talked about Battlestar, and I, I don't know how to keep him alive <laughs> in the structure that they have and time that they have allotted, which sucks. Yeah, yeah, we talked about that before, and yeah. I think uh, uh, for a review of episode four. Um, but I, for me, I just think I would have added an episode to allow the story to breathe a little bit more. Yeah. Because yeah. my favorite, my favorite part, I know we make fun of the boat in episode five, but I like the way the story slowed down and had. Sam and Bucky have the ability to bond and have that conversation. I think it was the strongest part of the show. And I think if the show had more of that. It would be, it would have gone from like a B to a B plus show to like an A minus day show. I would have just asked them to not use unlicensed music for every segment on that boat. Then I think they really would have missed. Because <laughs> I was like, I, I love that genre of music. And every time they pulled it, it sounds like they found like, random middies that they could just toss in for free and not have to worry about i was like you got a saxophone and you could uh zip zap you're in you're like no i was so disappointed because i love Uh, i love that music so much yeah i i want to apologize to the band the meters um who definitely listened to this podcast because that was a song they wrote (laughs) it wasn't just generic (laughs) someone created that i personally apologize yeah (laughs) wow Okay, so uh, kind of closer to wrapping up, um, we've talked a little bit about uh, where characters can go going forward. Marvel has already announced that they are going to be doing a fourth Captain America movie. Um, What would you guys like the movie to be about? Um, And is there a way to go further with the themes from the show that are thoughtful so that these kind of discussions aren't just relegated to uh, the TV side of the universe? Kalen. Um, so I should never be a writer for the MCU because my idea is very overstuffed. Uh, but I want Sam and Bucky to take on a uh, domestic terrorist. They're called themselves the Red Skulls. Uh, and they're a bunch of like uh, white supremacists, you know, hate mongers who are neo-Nazis, essentially. One. Two, I want Eli Bradley to come in the picture, uh, Isaiah's grandson. And uh, again, part of the pun, Sam takes him under his wing uh, and you see him grow as Patriot. You know, he's gonna be Patriot in the Young Avengers. And then finally, whether it's like a post-credit sequence or what, uh, Sam is the one who organizes the next generation of Avengers um, because he is Steve's heir um, and he is uh, the leader and the face of the MCU now. I always want to see the um, Serpent Society I know it's not going to happen because it's such a dumb idea, but I fucking love just idiotic <laughs> so costumed people who are just doing it for the job, not for like the evil of it. But that doesn't make any sense and doesn't matter, but that's just what I want. Uh, comic experts on the podcast, are there particular uh, comic uh, storylines that involve uh, Sam as the uh, Captain America that you can think of or that you'd recommend? Because I'm no. wondering, if, like, can they lift and shift like they were able to in certain I, I, I wouldn't because it was Nick Spencer who wrote most of his run. Even though Rick Remender was the first one who did it. He, he's all right. He did, he did Deadly Class, if you remember that. Yes. Uh, but Nick Spencer also wrote Secret Empire, which was 
made and... Captain America into an agent of Hydra from the very beginning. And it's like, it's mealy mouth, like centricism nonsense. Like, yeah. don't read it. It's, the art's it's, nice, but that's about it. It's pretty just okay. Yeah, because I went back just to see if there was anything that stuck out or anything. And it no, and it like ends in kind of like Civil War number two. And I'm like, I don't know if they want to go directly down that path. Like, it just, it's all over math. I think Kalen's point of like having the harder task of try to form this team is kind of interesting. I'd like to see it at the tail end of like maybe the movie or like maybe they're not even involved in the crisis. But like the Avengers now are just like fucked. Like everyone's like just a sloppy mess or like retired. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I would love to see them all try to coordinate together and him trying to get it. Because he is the most together of all the yeah. Avengers right now, honestly. Um, I'm liking the, in both of the shows, we've got a character who's established as a possible future mentor uh, for one of our protagonists in WandaVision, it's Agatha. And in this show, I think it'd be very interesting in the movie for Sam to have Isaiah Bradley as someone he goes to for like consultation. He would basically kind of exist like uh, Night Owl in Watchmen, uh, that there's this older figure who's maybe a little bit gruffer, more wizened, but can really provide a lot more continuity between the show and movie universe. Megan, do you have any ideas? I was just thinking, I, I, I know we mentioned this earlier, but it would be nice to kind of see in the fourth movie more of Bucky's story arc. Um, yeah. I think that really just needs to be fleshed out more. That was one thing. He's, he's always kind of been a favorite character of mine, more so than Steve Rogers, if I'm being honest. Um, <laughs> I just kind of love like the tortured like character, the kind of like, you're so hot, him. Megan. He's That's so hot. You. Just say it. <laughs> I just love say it. the way his hair looks and they think. I just, I just love the tortured character who could sit on my face. Like he's just like it's such a like, <laughs> But even like with Buffy and Angel, like I don't know, like Angel is kind of a he's just like a right. Boring, I don't know. Angel's like way more of a favorite than Buffy. Sorry, I'm yeah. on UG topics, no. but yeah. Um, yeah, I just want to see them do more with his story arc kind of really take him da- down a path of redemption um, and really just kind of give us more, uh, you know, more about Bucky. Like, I feel like he's always kind of also, he's always been one of those like characters that's like second to Cap- uh, Steve Rogers, you know? So we don't really know a lot about him. We didn't really know a lot about Sam. So for them just to flesh that out would be great. I would really appreciate that. Should he get a new code name? Oh, good I, I liked White Wolf a lot. Yeah, that was yeah. good, actually. Good yeah. yeah. Ryan, he's now the spring soldier. He's now reborn. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, if, what if it was Never Cap- hire me. <laughs> oh, watch out, guys. It's Captain America and the arm. <laughs> that actually yeah. is not that bad. The claw right. is coming already. Let's get some of your guys, y'all's quick takes. Uh, we didn't really actually talk about the fashion of it, but what do you think of Captain America's new suit? I I thought it looked great, but I think it's going to be modified the next time we see it in the same way that like Steve's suit in Avengers was a little too clean. This was like, oh, it's beautiful, but it's like, it's going to get dirty. It's a little too pristine. They got to like make it a little bit, I don't know, more real realistic for lack of a better term. Agreed. Can, can vibranium get dirty? I don't really know. Clark, don't even worry it um, is a- I, I did love the the um wings digging into the the um cement i, I did love that moment <gasps> oh yeah, yeah that was cool 
Yeah. Uh, I will say I, the thing that was the most distracting for me was that he had the uh, women's eighties power suit padding shoulders <laughs> that I'm like, That's part. as That's far part. as consistency, he's got like two sets of wings on him, but it really just looked unnerving. Um, Megan, did you like the suit? I did. Um, I thought it was interesting too. Like I, Isaiah, I think, um, I can't remember what episode it was, but he says something like, oh, a black man would never wear the stars and stripes. And so it's interesting, like the direction that they, it wasn't like the traditional blue and, and red. And so it, I kind of thought that it really tied in well to like Isaiah's story arc where, um, you know, he kind of pointed that out and then you see the suit and it's like totally different from Steve Rogers, Captain America suit. So I thought it was interesting. I mean, it's the stars and stripes created in an African nation. So, you know, it's not created by Americans. So that helps oh, yeah. With, yeah. with Isaiah's <laughs> process. Good point. Uh, all right. Lastly, uh, what was your favorite moment of the show? Uh, and bonus points if it's queer. Um, my, oh, Clark, go ahead. Um, so we twice skipped Zemo, which I wanted to talk about, and I kept changing it in the list. Um, besides <laughs> the moment with with... You know how I do this. Uh, besides the moment with, uh, I mentioned where Sam, you know, is talking with Bucky about um, the shield. My, obviously the dancing is a very important moment, but the moment when he like vanishes to go cl climb down the toilet to escape um, <laughs> was my favorite moment. Every moment, and you have written here, what's your favorite queer moment of the show? Every second he's on screen is my favorite queer moment of the show. You guys keep Fair. talking about how Bucky's like, you know, all the gay stuff. I, I, they 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 ruined it with his weird flirtation with his sister. I was so done with it. I'm so done with it. I, I liked her sister, his sister, until that moment, and I'm like, no, you do not take him away from me. B Bucky, not Bucky's flirtation, <laughs> Bucky's flirtation with Sam's sister. No, it was Zemo's sister. You didn't know Zemo had a sister suddenly. <laughs> no, you said his sister, which made it sound like his yeah, own sister. Uh, you know, you didn't know Bucky had his sister that he was sleeping with. Yeah. Uh, anyways, every second he's on screen. I thought you were going to talk about his outfit, which was super gay all the time. And I loved his mask. And I really want to see where he's going um, because he's such a fascinating character. It's weird that uh, Contessa is going to be taking charge of this Dark Avengers since that is his role in for Thunderbolts for years. So I don't know where they're mm -hmm. going with him. And that's all I needed to say about Zemo, Kaylin. Um, my favorite moment was, uh, uh, is it? Ao is that the name of the Dora Milaje that was in it? Yeah. Uh, uh, when she dismantles Bucky's arm, I screamed. I just jumped out of my seat. I was like, that's the coolest fucking thing I've ever seen. And it's gay because uh, we stand the Dora Milaje because they're so fucking fabulous. So they're inherently queer. Together. And she's a lesbian in it. Yeah. They're... Yeah, her character. Have you, this is a very quick thing. Uh, Kaylin, you've seen it. Um, um, Deutschland 83 you you yes. did you end up finishing it she's in Deutschland 83 and 86 86 and 89 excuse me as a lesbian as well and I didn't oh, realize nice. until I, this show I was like holy fuck I do know her and she's fucking awesome in that too anyway sorry now I was had a favorite yeah Megan do you have a favorite um my favorite I actually really like the banter between Sam and Bucky throughout the entire series I thought that was done really well um it was I, I feel like maybe um like the the scene where like Bucky and Sam are kind of like um 
sitting like with their legs together. Yeah. yeah. And like, yeah. so right there was like, yeah, that's a queer that's moment. <laughs> Um, I was gonna say my favorite. So Adam, Adam, actually, Ryan's gonna go first. <laughs> I didn't no, have my, my... Hand raised, but uh, yeah, no, I ever... still go. Um, so my favorite was still when <laughs> Sam just crashed through that damn window. I mean, honestly, I think that is the pinnacle of the series. That is like the best moment, honestly. And to see that like costume there, boom, pop goes the weasel. I'll never say that. Again. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. So, um, but yes, well, it was just those so- are all the best moments, right? We're done, right? Complete. Um, excuse me. You are all missing the greatest. Oh no, quote. I didn't get to say my favorite. Oh yeah, up, right. I'm so sorry. <laughs> You're missing the greatest quote in the show, which is the Dora Milaje have jurisdiction to be to wherever the. I already fucked it up. But the Dora Milaje <laughs> have jurisdiction wherever the Dora Milaje find themselves to be. It was just it. There's something about the way they write the dialogue for the Wakandans that like just makes me lose my fucking shit every time. Cause I'm just like, yes, they're not gonna take any shit. Fuck you, you're an asshole. Like, and they're always doing it to the right people. Like they never do it to people that like, the mover you will be moved or Black Widow. It's like just, it's just so fantastic. I loved it, it just made me so happy. And sure, that's like gay as fuck too, I guess. Cause it's like, we're all gonna, I all wanna, I want us to all start saying that, right? Like we have to live our truth, live our lives. And I think that's really, really great. Um, I just I love their introduction. I thought they were such great characters, and I we we didn't get enough to talk about them here. So I wanted to just shout how much I love them from the rooftop. I think my favorite uh, queer moment has to be when Val first meets uh, U.S. Agent, mm-hmm. and then says the second best choice you ever made <laughs> was taking that super soldier serum, and the first best choice, tied first best choice, along with marrying this firecracker, mm-hmm. is taking my phone call. <laughs> uh just great the gay power energy she has was fantastic i need to get some business cards printed that have nothing on them i've already sent them to all of your homes caitlin are you getting a i don't remember if this is the right name is her name veronica hand um when when who's this when fucking norman osborne took over um, ever, the government basically oh and, yeah 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 that, woman, that girl that had, had the a pink strip yeah, she had a. Pre- that's right. Yeah, she was his deputy for Hammer. She, oh, she yeah, she was like, around for a while. It, it, Va- Valentina, whatever the fuck her name is right now. Um, she doesn't feel like her character. She feels like that character. I agree. very much so. Maybe I agree. I see, uh, it's, it's maybe good, that hair stripe is because of that. Yeah, it's a good. It's a good hybrid and a good observation. So, Brenda, yeah, that, you're is, wrap that us is up? her name, Veronica. Yeah, yeah, good job. So that's uh, been our review of T Fat was. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Megan, uh, do you have anything to plug and where can people find you on social media? Um, so I actually am going to just take a minute to shamelessly plug my vintage business. Um, my friend Adam and I started it last year. Um, so you can check us out at uh, on Instagram at uh, a.m.findvintage. So. a.m.findvintage. Yes. And what like, do you guys sell? The easiest thing to remember, but um, so we sell <laughs> we sell a lot of vintage uh, clothing, vintage decor, so mainly stuff from like the '40s through like the '70s, couple '80s oh. thrown in. But it's uh, a lot of decor and uh, clothing, um, like just things for your home. Uh, where do you post all your cosplay stuff? All my cosplay stuff, I've I've actually not been great about 
having like a cosplay, like a separate account for my cosplay. Uh, but it's just on my, you can find some of it on my uh, actual Instagram account, my personal Instagram account. So it's just pertinent fish seven. Um, <laughs> not the best. It's actually an old gamer tag that I just like never. <laughs> like, I was like, we're going to get you, we're going to get you some lessons on mar- name, name marketing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I definitely need that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just like this gamer tag I've had since I was like, that's so cool. Know, like 20 years old. <laughs> um, but yeah, so my, my cosplay photos, some of them are there. I need to really have like a professional, professional cosplay account though. We'll, we'll, we'll tag both oh, yeah. accounts on our Instagram uh, when we publicize this episode. Yeah, so of course, uh, if you want to hear some of our prior discussion on Falcon and Winter Soldier, again, you can check out episodes 180 through 185 of our regular podcast. Uh, we also reviewed and recapped WandaVision. Um, and of course, we'll be doing the same for Loki when it appears on Disney Plus starting on June 11th. I think we've got a seven week countdown until that happens. Maybe it's six now. Um, you can find us, uh, Homo Superior, on Twitter at Homo Superior X and on Instagram at Homo Superior Podcast. Megan, thank you so much for participating in this. Yay! We love having thank you. Thank you Megan. Guys for having me. This was so much fun. It's a blast hanging out with y'all. So thanks again. Please come Bye. back soon, Megan. Bye, yeah. everyone. Bye. Bye.